Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 12, Star Logic with Zamboni of Zamboni Funk. In this episode, we speak with Zamboni about astrology, what got him into astrology, what it is, how it intersects with magic and herbalism. We talk a little bit about the great conjunction that's happening on the 21st and how that's going to affect us for 200 years. It's a really interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, Zamboni. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. This, is, this seems like so much fun. You guys have so much fun every week. <laughs> we really do. Yeah. It's definitely the highlight of my week getting to interview so many awesome people. And yeah, yeah I'm having... really excited for our chat today. So, so mm-hmm. Zamboni, you're an herbalist, an astrologer, a tarot reader in New York City. Indeed. Indeed. That is true. Cool. All so what, what got you into all of this? Yeah. Well, so. You know, I um, I was always sort of a, uh, a religious or spiritual youth. You know, um, I came up um, as Christian as you might like, and um, I was just like I, I was <laughs> I was very annoying. I was like trying to like convert my friends in middle school and all this. You know, like oh, I, I really I believed very strongly, um, yeah. and then after a while. Um, I sort of like fell away from it, didn't like, you know, like just sort of like realized that the kind of churchianity that I had been brought up with was sort of like, uh, you know, doing its best to destroy the world and and people I loved and things of this nature. And so, um, you know, I sort of like stopped doing that and became sort of, you know, atheistic or something for a little while and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like really delved into materialism really strongly. Um, and then I sort of, but it just felt empty, you know? And so I just kind of, um, you know, there, I had a long period of that, you know, that was, that was like 10 years or something like that. And then I moved to New York and I was living in New York, um, with my girlfriend and we, you know, there's some people had been talking about this famous astrologer, Chani Nicholas. And so we had been like, uh, reading her, uh, horoscopes or whatever. And she got some wildly different things than I got. And it was making her very angry. And I could see that she was like really having like a, a strong response here. Like, you, you know, something is going on is kind of how I, uh, felt about that and so I started reading um a little further and a little further and I you know like pick up a book and um, my favorite color is purple and astrology books are often purple (laughs) so they were easy to just grab one and um so I just started reading some stuff and then um a little later I I ended up so I went to um California to trim buds on a ganja farm yeah. And um, while I was there, so I have asthma and um, it's regional, basically. And so like here in New York, it's not really that much of a problem. In California, it is a big problem. And so I went there and was sort of unprepared because it's not really much of a problem here where I live at. 
And so um, I had this whole crisis. It was like a major crisis of, of health and I was very uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever done this kind of work, but it's like, you don't do anything, you know, like you just, it's, it's dirty and gross. There's like 30 people for one bathroom and it's like, and you're camping and you know, like, it's just like, yeah. uh, it, and all you do is like, you sit there and you trim, you don't do anything else because you're getting paid by weight, not by time, right? Mm -hmm. And so anytime when you're not working, then you're cutting into your own money. So all you do is you just sit there. And so um, I was like going through this whole crisis event and it, there was all this work and everything. I was like feeling some ways, right? Um, and I, uh, but I had a lot of time to sit there and like listen to lectures and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Listen to people talk mm -hmm. about astrology um, mm -hmm. and uh, so I really, I, I got into uh, Chris Brennan and the astrology podcast um, while yeah. I was there. Yeah. And so it's a great podcast. Oh yeah. Like uh, what a treasure trove of resources. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how Chris Brennan gets off like teaching everybody for free. Like it's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. He raised a whole generation of astrologers and honestly, he's on track to be the most important astrologer in the history of Western astrology, honestly. Well, um, yeah, you know, like maybe. give it, give it two generations and he's, yeah. he's made so much information so widely available, um, you know, it for, for free and just like super in depth. It's very comprehensive. Like it's a, it's, it's a super great resource. So anyway, so um, I got into that while I was trimming, um, you know, and Chris Brennan, his form is like, he wants to talk for four hours at a time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so <laughs> I had those four hours, you know what I mean? I was just sitting yeah, there trimming. I, I had the time. So, um, so I got really into that sort of stuff and, um, and learned a lot. And there was this whole situation. So like, you know, this health situation, I like had a few nights where I thought that like, this was going to be it. This is my last night, you know, like I'm having asthma problems. I'm not breathing in the night and stuff like that. So it was like a, it was a big deal. And so I ended up leaving much sooner than I uh, had planned to, but there was like a very serendipitous event. Uh, my, so I went there with my cousin, my cousin's mom was uh, doing a family reunion um, and so normally she would not attend the event, but because it was her mom, then she had to be there. And so I had a ride out of town. And so I just like got on there. And so nice. instead of spending six months or whatever, you know, I spent six weeks and, um, you know, made a little money or whatever. And then, but couldn't come back to New York because I had somebody subletting my room. And so I needed to go somewhere else. So I ended up staying with family for a while. Um, and so this, you know, this is when things like took a, a major turn toward uh, the spiritual or unseen kind of mm -hmm. situation. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, I went to stay with some family. My, um, so my mother is uh, Potawatomi, which is um, a people who have been made famous by uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer recently, who wrote the outstanding book, um, Braiding Sweetgrass. Um, and so um, my, so my mother's brother um, was ill at that time. He had cancer. And so I just went to stay with him out in the woods out there in Kansas um, because he was like, you know, he was having trouble getting around. He was having trouble, you know, he needed somebody to like help him out and lift things and stuff like this. And so yeah. um, I had the time. And so I went out there and spent a lot of time quietly on the land thinking thoughts and like, um, you know, thinking a lot about the old religion and, and all these kinds of things. And so um you know, it became clear to me during that time that um, the unseen was as prevalent as I had always thought it was when I was a child. 
um, but it w didn't necessarily have to go by the names that it was given in that church. And so, um, so I sort of really, I, that was when I really got sort of tapped in. Um, and then I mm -hmm. came back. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I came back to New York, then I was like, all right, so I'm not going to go back to living this old life that I had had before, you know, I had, I had been working a nine to five and, and whatever, whatever. And I was like, all right, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, I'm going to start to do some other stuff. And I'm also a musician. So I'm, uh, I'm a bass player. Cool. And uh, I had so at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this music thing seriously that that's like what I'm gonna do um, but I was also hanging out with some astrologers and they encouraged me to um, to start taking clients and so I, I started doing that um, and uh, you know and, and so while I was doing all that then it became clear to me that um, magic was a real thing mm -hmm. and that um, you know the the spiritual domain was is really real mm -hmm. and then um, that astrology was really good magic for knowing stuff yeah. And um, then I became interested in astrology for doing or, or magic for doing stuff, you know, mm -hmm. for affecting change as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so then, you know, uh, Austin Kopic makes uh, regular appearances on the astrology podcast. And so I found him that way and then started taking his classes. And so um, cool. and it was and so here I am now. Cool. Very cool. So. Austin Kopic, you took some of his classes. Have you taken other uh, courses? Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah. So, what, what kind of courses? Well, um, so I've taken uh, Chris's Hellenistic course. Nice. Um, and I've taken a bunch of Austin Kopic's classes. Um, and uh, I'm also consistently involved with um, uh, Rune Soup. I don't know if you're familiar with Rune Soup and Gordon White. Oh yeah. White yeah. And, yeah. It's one of my favorite yes. podcasts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, right. Really great. Um, so I'm a RuneSoon Premium member. And um, nice. so that's not, it, it's not astrology, but it's astrology adjacent. Yeah, yeah. It kind of all intersects. Yeah, cool. Mm. So are the, what would you recommend for folks who are just getting into astrology? I, the astrology podcast can be kind of like deep water sometimes, you know, just. Yeah, it's for intermediate. Jumping, jumping right sure. in. Um, yeah. yeah, so. Um, when I first started, I started with the um, the only astrology book you'll ever need, oh. um, which oh. is the most ostentatious title I've ever heard in my life, um, and is absolutely <laughs> false. But um, but it was a good starting point. It was a good, nice, comprehensive cookbook to start with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it it sort of like gives you the way to um, generate cookbook readings um and that's really what you want to do you know if you're if you're an astrologer who's reading charts then you need to be able to generate your own readings and so she sort of um in that book gives it a, a method for doing that um i also read the book um inner sky by uh stephen forrest and um, that was really good also another good sort of comprehensive comprehensive start from the beginning how do you read charts at all um, kind of situation there. Now, in my practice, um, I don't actually, so um, Stephen Forrest is an evolutionary astrologer, which is a particular kind of astrology um, that I don't follow anymore. They, they spend a lot of time talking about Pluto and the nodes. Um, it's like not that big a deal to me a lot of times. Um, like I said, I, I moved into like Hellenistic and sort of medieval uh, direction with things. And so, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily 
uh, do astrology the way that Stephen Forrest does astrology, but mm. um, I found Inner Sky to be a very good foundational text. So can you describe... Also, oh. Uh, in- can you say that one more time? Sure. Kelly Surtees um, does really great, like, intro to astrology stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. I'm curious if you can describe your practice. Like, what do you do as an astrologer? Um, tell us a little bit about Sure. That. Well, so most people know me from um, the Instagram and YouTube videos that I do. I do them on a weekly basis, and I do forecasts. Um, so I just talk about what's going on with the week ahead. And um, so... You know, you can follow me on Instagram at Zamboni Funk uh, to find that. Um, and so, so I basically just, uh, so um, this question is a very good question. Like, what do you actually do? Um, so my practice is very much about, um, so astrology is a description of the landscape of time, right? Oh, so um Time is uh, qualitatively different based on where you are in the scope of it, right? And so what I do, so around the time that I was getting into Austin Kopic, um, the, the first class of his that I took was about uh, making astrological talismans. And um, so basically what you do in order to do that is you take a look at the sky and you choose a particularly auspicious moment. This is called choosing an election or electing a time. Mm -hmm. And so um, you elect this like perfect moment when Jupiter and Venus are like so heavenly and whatever, whatever, right? You choose this moment and then um, you sort of like do your magic uh, in that moment. And because that magic will then carry the energy of that moment um, into the stone that you carve into or whatever, right? And so um, I sort of take this principle of like choosing the most auspicious moment and I kind of um, make it every day in the way that I can. So, um, you know, if time can be described by astrology, then astrology will tell you what your day is going to be like or what each day is going to be like or the week or the month or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then if you have an idea of what uh, what kind of terrain you're about to encounter, then you can have an idea for what kind of uh, equipment you'll need, right? Is this, uh, do we need to put some chains on the tires or is a bike going to do the job or whatever, right? Um, so this is, this is kind of how I treat astrology and this is how I treat my uh, weekly forecast is sort of like, okay, so this is happening and here's a way to maybe deal with that. I also do that on the daily level um, also on Instagram, I, um, I illustrate it with artwork that I found throughout New York City. Um, New York City is great for having artwork for free all around on walls and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I started taking pictures of those just because they were great and then, but didn't have a way, didn't have anything to do with them. And so I started writing these uh, astrology dailies and illustrating them with these photos that I take throughout the city. And um, it's super it's like a nice way to to incorporate them both and like yeah. have an illustration yeah. for what I'm talking about. Like it's cute. Um, I love that. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I do that um, on the daily level there. Um, and then, so, so basically what I do is I look at the landscape of time and I describe it for people, you know, um, here's what's going on and here are some ways to deal with it. Um, then I also, I also do readings for people, you know, so people will, um, 
well, I'll have conversations with people about their own birth chart and um, sort of situate their situation in time, you know, give them some context. Um, you know, here's where you've been, here's where you're at, here's where you're going. Um, and, you know, again, with the sort of like, how can I make the most of this? How can I live my best life in this sort of scenario? Um, yeah. And then I also, I also spend a bunch of time doing electional astrology, um, cool. which is the whole like choose an auspicious moment thing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, on my Patreon uh, for like $13 a month, it, uh, which to me is a steal. Um, yeah, but it's, sure. uh, I go through the whole month and every day of the month, um, I give you like a best time to send that important email or, uh, you know, like, uh, schedule a first date, for example, I do that one sometimes, um, or, or these kinds of things, you know, launch your project. Um, and so I, I give times of every day when that's possible, or alternatively, I'll tell you not to, I'll tell you to wait, um, yeah. in this document as well. So, um, so that's kind of like what I, uh, how I exercise the craft. Cool. So you kind of touched on this a little bit with electional astrology and other kinds of astrology. So what, for listeners who aren't familiar, what is the difference between natal astrology, electional astrology, mundane astrology, orary astrology, all these different kinds or ways of using astrology? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, um, in the first place, there's kind of no difference. Because um, <laughs> what astrology does is it describes time. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, so let's take the let's take the difference between a natal chart and an electional chart, for example, right? So natal means birth, right? So um, you know your natal chart is uh, a map of what the sky looked like at the time of your birth, right? And then the principle here with astrology, as above, so below, is that. Um, you know, your life will somehow be described by this map of the situation that's going on here. So then let's take another example, which is the electional chart, right? So let's say that you want to start a business and, or, uh, and yeah, you're going to launch a website for your business at a particularly auspicious moment, right? So you choose a time and then you look at that chart. And so the idea here is that the chart is going to describe the life of your business because that's the thing that got started here at this moment, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so with a natal chart, we're looking into the past to look at a, a moment when something did happen. And we're, with electional charts, we're looking into the future to look at something that will happen. But either way, um, we're looking at sort of a description of the life of the thing that was begun in that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Very clear. Cool. So then the other ones are um, horary. So horary is when um, it's a form of divination, right? So, um, and by divination, I, I, I'm referring to things like uh, sortilege, like tarot cards, like uh, casting lots or reading the tea leaves or something like this, right? So what you do in this sort of uh, situation is you want to, you have a question um, and you ask your question to uh, the tea leaves or the stars or whatever it is and in the hopes of getting some kind of symbolic representation of an answer. And so um, with horary, you ask your question and then look at the chart of the moment when you asked your question or rather the moment when the astrologer understood your question, right? So um, if, the, if you like send an email to an astrologer, then when they opened the email is gonna be uh, the, the chart that they cast. But that notwithstanding, 
Um, so then, you know, the, the idea here is that the astrology then describes uh, an answer to your question as well, right? And so it can give you some information. And this sort of thing has been used to uh, find lost farm animals and to, like, there's a, there's a whole... Yeah range of things that that you can do with this kind of thing like are am i going to get married to this person all that sort of stuff right um so this is so astrology can be used to answer those kinds of questions um and then mundane astrology so this is sort of um a description of time on a global level right or um you know looking at nations and nation states looking at uh history and world events and how world events are shaped by the uh the sort of astrological framework of time cool so you can Does that make sense oh yeah yeah a lot more than just uh you know your the daily uh birth chart reading yeah <laughs> um a lot of people are i mean every, it seems like everybody in the united states knows about astrology but uh oftentimes it's just a little little bit there's another uh-huh. question about the division between astrology um, that I think is is worth uh, exploring, and, and that's the difference between sidereal and tropical. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what 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 is the difference? And I mean, for me, one time, <laughs> one time I was I was I was trying to learn how to plant by the signs, and I kept on mm-hmm. going on the the computer and and looking at the uh, the the time when the moon what sign the moon was in, and I mm-hmm. kept on getting it wrong, and then I realized that I was putting it in under sidereal. <laughs> It right. just it just changes the whole thing, but yeah. So what what is the difference? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and a lot of times if you're doing moon stuff, then like, and you want lunar mansions or any of that sort of stuff, then that is going to be more sidereal than it is tropical. But um, yeah. So so quickly, we need to talk about like what even am astrology and how does how does this work, right? So um, the zodiac is uh, a band. It's it's called in the ecliptic, right? So there's a um. So when you see the sun moving, right, um, you can see that the sun moves from east to west during, a, during the day, right? But, um, and that, that is due to the rotation of the earth. So the, the earth moves in a particular duration, direction, and so everything in the sky moves. Uh, it comes up in the east and then moves across the southern sky and then goes down in the west. So, that, and that's, that's, uh, that's called the diurnal rotation. Um, and uh, what you'll notice is that all of the planets, uh, including the, the sun and the moon and then all the other planets, they will uh, they sort of like line up and they're all kind of in, in a line together. There's a band. And this band um, is the path that the sun takes around uh, the Earth. So um, in the other direction, things move um, so forward in zodiacal order, so it would be, uh, you know, from the west to the east, things move in that direction much more slowly, right? So the sun moves one degree of this big circle, this band, right? This, the ecliptic is a, is a big circle, it's 360 degrees, and the sun moves one degree in that easterly motion um, every day. The sun moves about that far. The moon moves about 12 to 13 degrees. The moon moves very quickly. 
So, um, but goes in this direction. You can see it going, if you're facing south, you're gonna watch stuff going a little bit to the left. The moon is a really good way to sort of watch this happen. If you're gonna be, um, like pretty soon, there's gonna be the, the Christmas star, right? There's gonna be the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction, which is gonna be super noticeable in the sky, right? And so what you can do is you can look at it, um, the, look at it on one night. So I think it's gonna happen on Monday, right? So look at it on Sunday and see where the moon is relative to that. And then look at it on Monday and see that the moon will have moved further left than it was the night before. So that is when things move in zodiacal order. That's what happens, right? So the sidereal zodiac is, um, oh, well, this, this band is divided into 12 equal parts of 30 degrees. Um, and these are each given uh, to the signs of the zodiac. Uh, the signs of the zodiac are constellations. They're correlated with constellations, which are um, in the, the sort of, uh, you know, the backdrop of fixed stars. You know, there are all these stars and there are a bunch of constellations. Twelve of those constellations are the 12 signs of the zodiac, which overlap with the, uh, the ecliptic, this band around the earth that the, uh, is the path of the sun. Right. So and this is all from a geocentric perspective. Right. This is from the perspective of someone who is standing on land and looking out into the sky. Right. The sun is traveling around the earth this way. Okay. Um, so the sidereal zodiac um, roots the signs to the fixed stars. Right. And so um, so it's going to still. Uh, so the the fixed stars are in in the background. They are. They, they call them fixed because they don't move. So planets, um, they, they are moving around all the time, right? They go through this uh, ecliptic, they go forwards, they go backwards sometimes, but they're always moving. And they're moving in relationship to the fixed stars that are behind them, right? So uh, for example, if you think about how Orion is visible at this time of year, it's cold outside right now in the Northern Hemisphere. And so Orion is visible right now. But if it were summertime, then Orion would be on the other side. We wouldn't be able to see Orion, right? And so um, the sun and all the planets are moving relative to this backdrop of fixed stars, right? So um, the sidereal zodiac, is, it sort of like keeps the, the constellations in place. So the, the constellations and the signs, they go together. Whereas the tropical zodiac, so what, what's been going... So, uh, at, around the time that astrology was, uh, uh, I don't know, invented, coalesced into the, the thing that we know as astrology today, which is the, the fourfold system, which includes planets, signs, houses, and aspects, um, this showed up around the turn of the millennium. And so, uh, turn of the millennium, that's not true at all, uh, 2,000 years ago yeah. <laughs> is when that happened. Um, and so it's, you know, around the change from the, the before the common era to the common era, BC to AD. Um, so when that happened, uh, that, that's when astrology showed up on the scene. And at this time, Aries, so the first, um, the first day of Aries, which is the spring equinox, that was um, when, the, when the sun entered the constellation Aries, then that was, they, they lined up. But because the earth wobbles a little bit, that has been moving backwards uh, at a rate of one degree every 72 years for this period of 2,000 years. So now at this point, um, the first day of spring, the spring equinox, which is when um, the Earth is balanced relative to 
um, the its relationship to the sun. Um, you know, because the, the earth is tilted a little bit, there's a, there are two days on, on either side of the year, the spring equinox and the fall equinox when the sun, uh, when the earth is balanced relative to the sun. Yeah, and equal so, days, equal nights. Exactly. So when that happens, um, then that's the spring equinox. And in the tropical zodiac, we still call that the first day of Aries, right? So the, the mm -hmm. sun has moved into Aries at that point. But in the sidereal zodiac, because of this processional shift, which has been going on 72 years, one degree uh, for this whole period, the, it has moved. And so now there, uh, when that happens for a tropical astrologer, it goes into air, the sun moves into Aries. For a sidereal astrologer, the sun is still in Pisces at this point because it's been moving backwards for this period of time. And this is how you get things like the age of Aquarius and stuff like this. The age of Aquarius is supposed to be the time when um, the first degree of Aries coincides with the, uh, with the constellation behind it, the sidereal sign of Aquarius. Ah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and this also gets into a common criticism of astrology that like the, the constellations have shifted, so it doesn't even make any sense anymore. Mm -hmm. But really it's about the, 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 the signs. Uh, it's, 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 <laughs> it's like the sign of the sign that it goes through, right? It's like a section of the sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not so much about... The, the constellation. Yeah, well, so it, it sort of depends on what, what kind of uh, astrology you're looking at. So a lot of people will say that, um, you know, it, the, the signs are moving and, and so, and astrologers haven't even noticed. And so they, it, it's obvious that astrology doesn't work. Uh, when in fact, um, procession was, is, a, is a very noticeable phenomenon and was noticed, you know, quite a long time ago. And right. um, at some point there was an, decision that was made for tropical astrologers to be like no we like this uh equinox thing we want the spring equinox to be the first day of aries and so we're just going to root it to that rather than rooting to the fixed stars which are behind them behind the signs of the zodiac cool so it's it's just a way you know they're uh they're organizing it exactly it's a it's a good way of organizing it it, it or Either way is a good way of organizing it, as long as you've got your, you know, organizing principle that you sort of root to. Cool. Yes, yeah, so I, I guess we've got one more sort of a beginner question. Um, and we have, you know, audience members of all sorts of familiarity, familiarity with astrology. I mean, we both know a little bit, but not really that much. I mean, I call side, sidereal, <laughs> sidereal and so on. Uh, but, I've already learned a ton from you today. So. Yeah. <laughs> but so, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so what, what is a retrograde? I mean, that's kind of one of the, besides like your sun sign, that's one of the most common ways people touch on astrology is like Mercury retrograde, but all the planets go, you know, go through retrogrades. Um, and especially this year, that's happened a lot. So could you talk a little bit about uh, what retrogrades are and how they affect people and the world? Sure. Yeah, so before I was mentioning um, that things move in zodiacal order, and that's the easterly direction that it moves slowly, right? Um, and so that's, that's the order. That's Aries and then Taurus and then Gemini and then Cancer, et cetera, et cetera, right? They go in this order. And so... 
Um, that is called direct motion. And retrograde motion is when a planet sort of uh, appears to stop in the sky and then move backwards, um, it, backwards in zodiacal order. And so then by doing that, moving along with the flow of the diurnal rotation, right, which, which is moving toward the west. Um, and so these planets move backwards in zodiacal order for a period of time and then move forward again. So forward is the primary direction. Everybody goes forward most of the time. Um, but then some of the planets, um, every, all of the planets except for the sun and the moon, um, have periods of time where they go backwards as well. So whenever this happens, um, especially for your, um, your the, the most personal planets, so this will be like Mercury and Venus, these are the ones that are closer to the sun than us, um, they sort of uh, turn their significations on their head when that happens. So whenever um, Mercury, so Mercury is our planet of communication, of talking about stuff, of, um, you know, the transmission of data and uh, transactions and things of this nature, right? And so then during a Mercury retrograde, then we have miscommunications, or we have uh, packages being sent to the wrong place, or, um, you know, doubled up transactions, or uh, I missed the email, or mm. these kinds of things, right? So it sort of turns all of our significations on our head. Um, the same way with Venus. So Venus is the planet of harmony, of love, of togetherness, unity, um, all these kinds of things, right? Uh, Venus loves a good puppy pile. <laughs> so, um, and then Venus, um, in a, during a retrograde time, can be a little bit more acrimonious, right? Um, it, it's no longer as interested in hugging and is much more interested in sort of, um, you know, causing a ruckus if that's what needs to be done. And it's so clear that that needs to be done because y'all been fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> kind of how uh, how that, that ends to, tends to play out a lot of times, especially with Venus retrograde, um, you'll get a lot of sort of like important women figures who show up and like, and have something to say about things. You also get a lot of sort of like um, social resistance or, or um, you know, uprisings, things of this nature under uh, Venus retrograde as well. Right so um, the other planets are, so we had a Mars retrograde this year also. Um, so Mars, so Mars is the immediate planet, which is on the other side of the earth, right? So it's outside. Um, and so this is, this is still one of the personal planets. It still has to do with like how you feel a lot and your relationship to others and stuff like that. But so Mars, who is sort of acrimonious to begin with, Mars likes to sever things, um, separate fires, cuts, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, inflammation, big time with Mars, Mars is red, um, these kinds of things. Mars will kind of, during a retrograde, will kind of double down. It's like Mars, but like extra grumpy, you know? Um, there's a sense of like um, having to go back and redo some, some something that you've been looking at uh, for a while, but it's like uh, it it doesn't feel like fun. Like it's not, I'm I don't I'm not glad that I have to do this thing. Like I have to do this and I'm mad about it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Cool. So um, so we've been having that one as well, and then Saturn and Jupiter, which go uh, a little bit further. These uh. They spend a much longer period of time retrograde. Saturn and Jupiter spend about a third of the time retrograde, uh, a third of total time retrograde. Whereas, um, you know, Mercury will be retrograde about six weeks out of the year, um, six weeks out of 52, right? It's not very many. Um, Venus will be retrograde six weeks out of every 18 months. 
and uh, Mars will be retrograde about two months out of every, uh, what is it, like 22, 23 months, something like that. Um, whereas, so these are all very small ratios, whereas Saturn and Jupiter will spend a third of total time retrograde. And so they just kind of mean less. Cool. So uh, first, I would like to thank some, our listeners. Some of those questions came from our listeners. And this next question also comes from our listeners. And this kind of gets more into the magic side. Um, so for you, what's the link between the stars and their symbols and the spiritual realities to which they refer? And how can we work with these spiritual realities behind the veil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's a very good question. And uh, the truth is that I don't know the answer to that question. It's, it, it gets very close to the heart of the sort of like, what is the underlying mechanism which makes astrology work? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know why astrology works. I simply know that it does. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, you know, uh, it's, I think one thing that's very important to remember when we're, do, when we're looking at this kind of thing is that astrology describes time. So astrology is like a clock. It tells you what time it is. It is not the driving force which makes time happen, Yeah. right? It just tells you what time it is. Yeah, so, not, um, well, it's not fatalistic so this, in that way either, you know, which is another common sure common thing about astrology or criticism that's very fatalistic but really i mean you can have a lot of opportunities with it yeah yeah you know this that sort of like gets into um so i i did a talk recently um it was called i called it um saturn stop being so mean and it was <laughs> um it's for dealing with navigating or navigating difficult transits. So like when Saturn is going to come and transit your natal moon or, or whatever, and it's going to, and you, you look scared about it, right? Then it's like, all right, well, what can I do with this? And so, um, you know, one of the ways that I really think about operating with that is, so you think about what Saturn wants to do to the moon. So Saturn is like cold and dry and, and brittle and uh, bitter and, uh, you know, melancholy isolated these kinds of things discipline there you go there you go um more maturity borders boundaries all all these kinds of things right walls bricks heavy things Mm -hmm. um and then you know so that's going to happen to your moon so the moon is going to be much softer it's going to be like squishy flesh a lot of times the moon is associated with like breasts and tummies and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um the the moon is going to be associated with like um like your kind of mood the, the moon moves very quickly, right? And so it goes through the signs of the zodiac very quickly and, and does it does things very quickly and it's always growing and uh, shrinking and all this sort of stuff. It's always in flux, right? And so like emotion. Uh, correlate, yeah, exactly. And so correlates very well to these um, things that move very quickly through us. Things like emotions, absolutely. Things like hunger or thirst. Um, you know, have you been resting properly? Have you been doing drugs? Like all of these things have to do with how you feel in your body and how you feel in your mind, right? Yeah. And so um, if Saturn is going to conjoin your moon, then we can see how um, difficulty or challenge or obstacle um, or coldness or isolation is going to be happening to your feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can sort of see that kind of stuff happening. And then it's like, all right, so astrology is describing this period of time this way. So then this affords me a really great opportunity then to be like, 
okay, well, so Saturn is going to happen to my moon no matter what. So I'm not going to be able to outrun the sky. But what I can do is I can brainstorm and I can think about all the different Saturn things that happen to, that can happen to the moon. Like, so I could, um, the moon is associated with the body and Saturn will often have, uh, like depictions of Saturn will often be with, um, you know, on crutches or with a bum leg or something like this. And so Saturn uh, transiting your moon, that might break your leg. You know, um, Saturn moves slowly. Part of the reason that Saturn moves slowly is maybe he's old or he's got a bum knee or something like that, right? He's like not getting around too good. Saturn on the moon, maybe it's going to break your leg, right? So this is something to panic about. Or <laughs> perhaps um, I could do something that would be Saturnian that would affect my the, the area of my life, which is associated with the moon and give this to Saturn as something that I can do. So my go-to example is like, um, I like to smoke, for example. And so when Saturn was uh, getting ready to transit my moon, then um, about three months out, right? Because Saturn does everything very slowly and Saturn really loves a commitment. Yeah. Um, so about three months before that happened, I gave up smoking. I was like, Saturn, you love boundaries. You love saying no to stuff and you love saying no to fun things. Mm -hmm. So I am going to say no to this bit of fun in your name, oh, Saturn. And for this period of time, I will, I'm not going to smoke at all. And um, so that's a, that's a good way to sort of like see how Saturn and the moon can go together in a way in your life that isn't as terrifying as broken legs are. <laughs> and so, and you can give, you can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, Astrology is describing this time in your life. And so if you can see that description and be like, oh yeah, I can serve that to you then um, then you can sort of like, uh, you know, get some control or agency over your own situation. You know, perhaps you are predestined or, or your, your future is predestined, but that doesn't mean that you don't have any agency. Cool. So f how do you use astrology in magic, for instance, in um, making change in the you world from yourself? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so astrology describes time. So it just tells you uh, when a good time is to do your thing, you know? So if you're, if you're yeah. doing uh, ritual magic of any sort, then it's going to have to happen sometime, right? You're going to do your ritual at some point. Um, and so astrology is really good for choosing the moment, you know, with the, uh, with the idea that it's like, um, think about like hydroelectric power, right? So you've got a river and the current is rushing. Right. And so you set up your turnstile um, right there so that the, the current that's already rushing pushes your your thing and generates your energy for you. Right. So that's what you do with astrology. You find where where in the landscape of time the river is and you set up shop right there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever have you explored the intersection of astrology and herbalism before? Um, you're an herbalist and I'm curious about how you maybe put the two together. Yeah, that is really, um, it's a very rich field. Um, and you, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, precedent for it. You can look in like Culpepper and stuff like this. And, um, you know, Culpepper doesn't describe himself as an astrologer, but, um, but uses astrology throughout his practice, um, you know, and in, in sort of identifying, plants and um 
you know, so, so there are a couple of ways to do this. First is to sort of um, think about the characteristics that are ascribed to a given uh, planetary entity. So I've been talking about Saturn all day, right? So I'll keep talking about Saturn here. So Saturn, um, I mentioned before, is associated with bitterness, right? And so then you can sort of look at the plants and be like, okay, which of these plants are going to be associated with Saturn? Well, we can just, we can take all the sweet ones out quick, right? Because Saturn's not <laughs> fucking with that. But we can, um, we can look at the bitter ones and be like, okay, so we're, we're, we're getting closer to Saturn here, right? Um, also, any kind of dark or muted colors, right, are going are gonna to be, you know, in that zone or any of this kind of stuff, right? So you can look at your sort of correlations here. And you can think about that as, so one way to do it is to look at a person's birth chart and be like, okay, so this person has too much Saturn going on here. There's, there's all this Saturn and it's on top of the moon and it's on top of the sun. And it's just like, ah, there's just too much going on. So mm -hmm. perhaps Saturn is not the direction that we need to go in. Maybe, maybe this person um, needs a little more Venus in, in order to remember that life is delicious, in order to stop being quite so melancholic and depressive, and maybe some rose in here is going to help you to remember that uh, the word that that the world can be delicious or or a fun place to live or something like this, right? That makes sense. So yeah. that's one way to sort of like uh, go about like diagnostic and treatment um, using astrology. Um, you can also get so with the, using that sort of same situation. So um, let's say that uh let's do a new one um let's say that you want to do some sun stuff right and um or no no let's say you want to do some saint john's wort stuff yeah and um you really like saint john's wort and it's you know you want to work with it um and saint john's wort has a really bright yellow flower um mm -hmm. And so it, and it like, and if you touch it, then it like gets this red stuff all over you. And it's like, so we can see how the sun is going to be associated with St. John's work. And, um, yeah. and if you don't feel confident doing this yourself, there are lists for days. Culpepper has a bunch of them. And like, there's, there's so many lists out here on Google. <clears throat> but so, um, so you know that you're, you want to work with St. John's work and you know that St. John's work is associated with the sun. So then what you can do it's like, all right, so I want to harvest the St. John's wort, but I want to do that in a particularly auspicious moment. So I'm going to look for a sun moment, a moment when the sun is very strong and or at least unafflicted. And I'm going to use that moment to uh, to harvest my uh, or harvest the herb in order to, you know, give it so that it has its most potent sun effects. For yeah. like sunniness and like, you know, being being less depressive and and or whatever it is that you're looking for. And that's really interesting because, well, there are a lot of different ways to organize time um, for when the most auspicious moment is to, like mm -hmm. the traditional day of harvesting St. John's wort was on St. John's Day on uh, June 24th, right mm -hmm. after the summer solstice, which mm -hmm. <laughs> is interesting. But there's yeah, so also the like- solstice, the, That's when the sun is very strong, right? Yeah, right. But then there's so there's also like the day of the week Sunday and like the the planetary hour like the hour of the sun. Do you ever work with that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, all the time. I I still consider that stuff astrology. And okay. um, so if you're gonna do like uh like Picatrix style magic where you're uh you know choosing an auspicious moment and carving in uh, a stone or something like that, then ideally you want all of it to line up. 
You know what I mean? You want yeah. uh, Sunday and the sun is rising and the sun is in Aries or Leo and it's hour of the sun as well. And uh, you, you've got a nice aspect from a benefic and you don't have any aspects from malefics and all this sort of stuff. And the moon is good too, right? So you, um, so I'll still use the hour of the sun and the day of the sun. I'll, I tend to prioritize the hour over the day because um, it feels more concentrated to me. Um, but this is, yeah, you know, you, it sort of depends on what kind of work you want to do. If you are, um, if you're gonna use the St. John's wort in order to potentiate your sun ritual, then you might want to use a little more, uh, rigorous an election. Or if you just want like some sunniness, I just want to be a little less sad, then maybe Sunday will do the job, you know? Cool. Yeah. So I also want to ask you about a big thing coming up in astrology, the grand conjunction. Uh, what mm. is it? And um, yeah, tell us your perspective, please. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, this is very exciting for a lot of people. Um, it is a very big deal. So Saturn and Jupiter are um, the, the two furthest planets from uh, the Earth that are still visible to the naked eye. They're the furthest uh, traditional planets. Right, but with um, people have been using these planets in astrology for longer than there have been telescopes, um, and so, so Saturn and Jupiter, they sort of so Saturn often will refer to boundaries or borders, um, kind of the edge of the universe a little bit, right? Um, has a lot to do with infrastructures and these kinds of things. Jupiter uh, and um, Saturn is also frequently called uh, the greater malefic. Uh, malefic here just means sort of like bringer of challenges and obstacles, um, hard stuff. Um, and greater being like the, the big one. We're, we're looking at like a sort of grandiose picture here. Uh, we're looking at sort of uh, chronic challenges rather than acute challenges, right? Which is gonna be a little more Mars. Jupiter is the greater benefic. And so benefics are the ones who bring uh, things that you like, stuff that is cohesive or growing or, um, you know, these kinds of things. There's uh, Jupiter a lot of times will be associated with joy, luck, meaning, um, abundance, these kinds of things. Uh, spirituality will show up with Jupiter a lot also. And so, um, so what we're seeing here, so the Great Conjunction happens every 20 years and it happens, so it's when Saturn and Jupiter conjoin. And so um, this is about to happen at zero degrees of Aquarius. It's going to happen in an air sign for the first time in 40 years. So two times ago, um, it happened in Libra. But before that, the last time there was a, a Saturn and Jupiter conjunction in an air sign was 800 years ago, 600 years ago, my fault. It's a 200 year long period. And so, um, so there's a 200 year long period of Saturn and Jupiter conjoining in signs of the same element or triplicity mm -hmm. so we are now moving this one uh in that's going to happen uh on i think the 21st of december this is going to happen in aquarius which is an air sign and it's going to start a 200 year long period of air sign conjunctions between saturn and jupiter now saturn being around um structures and these kinds of things and um Jupiter, which is going to be around meaning or spirit, this is very good for sort of giving us an idea of what the structure of reality or what is considered real or normal 
is uh, going to look like. So for the past 200 years, <clears throat> we've really been looking at Earth dynamics, right? So we've been seeing <clears throat> a lot of land grabs going on. We've been seeing a lot of uh, like sort of, you know, the, the control of resources has been very important. Things like coal mining and, um, you know, like, uh, you know, very much around getting in the land and, uh, you know, sort of taking control of the land. That's where the power dynamics have been taking place. Right? And also, and so now, well, I hmm? think the material reductionism as a dominant uh, mythology mm -hmm. has also been a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and sort of, yeah, the, the idea that, um, that nothing exists except material, um, you know, that uh, mind does not exist out kind of at all, yeah. um, outside your head at least. Um, this, this whole situation has been very much, uh, you know, uh, thriving in the Earth triplicity era. So now we're moving into air signs. And so air signs are much more strongly associated with uh, communication and uh, data transmission and information kind of generally. Um, and so we're moving into a period where um, somebody who was not an astrologer said data is the new coal and it's so real. You know, the idea that um, where rich people are getting their money and where the super powerful are consolidating their power is in uh, data and data transmission rather than um, in coal and fossil fuels, which are, which are um, close to the end of their life. Yeah. It's going to be hard to run uh, industrial civilization on data though. I think. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Um, I, We'll see what kind of energy sources uh, are come up with, you know. Um, I, yeah. I think that the, um, <clears throat> the air triplicity is, you know, it, it's obvious already that it's going to be, that things are going to be moving in a techno sort of direction, right? Um, technology is going to be, <clears throat> you know, like what we're doing right now is we're like, Talk, exchanging information from a long distance mm -hmm. um, over the internet, right? The internet is going to have a, its whole Saturn return during this period. The internet was born in, I think, 1992. Um, and so, uh, so, the, so it has Saturn and Aquarius. And so we're going to, you know, see the Saturn return for that. And internet is going to sort of like come to a sense of maturity or um, some, something like that. There will probably be some growing pains in the way that Saturn returns often bring growing pains. Um, I wonder for the that sounds really yeah. interesting. I haven't thought about that before, but I wonder like if like government restrictions on the, uh, on the internet would be part of that or not. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> now you're really thinking, you're thinking in the, in the directions, right? So like, because uh, because Saturn also rules Aquarius, right? So um, so not only is it Saturn and Jupiter who are sort of defining what reality is, but we're doing it on Saturn's terms, right? And so um, Jupiter will be there, and um, Jupiter is beneficent and fun and all these kinds of things. But um, Jupiter is really going to be sort of hanging out with Saturn and doing Saturn's bidding, and so we're really going to be looking at the Saturn stuff showing up here. And so if we're looking at um, you know authorities or people who tell you no sometimes or place restrictions on things or laws or any of these kinds of things, then Saturn fits really well here. And Saturn getting to sort of um, exert 
major influence on the shape of the future um, seems like restrictions and um, sanctions and these kinds of things around the transmission of data, it, it, it seems to fit nicely, right? I don't know that I want to go full technocracy and Alison McDowell on you, but, um, <laughs> but it, you know, yeah. it, it looks like what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit I, about some of your predictions um, from an astrological perspective for 2021? What's the year to come going to be like for us? Sure. Well, so, yeah, so this great conjunction um, is going to be happening in Aquarius. And then there is, so uh, another major influence is Uranus and Taurus. So Uranus, that's one planet past Saturn. So, um, so you need a telescope to see Uranus like most of the time, solid 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. And so um, Uranus in Taurus is going to be square to Saturn in Capricorn. So Uranus is the planet that is typically associated with uh, sudden changes, major upsets, or, um, you know, uh, breakups, breakdowns, breakthroughs, that sort of thing. We'll get a lot of sort of lightning bolts, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, that sort of stuff. Um, Taurus often has to do with the um the earth itself it's a fixed earth sign right and so we can see here how the the earth triplicity sort of like has to come to grips in some kind of way um especially because a square aspect so a square is going to be this is one of our like dynamic tension aspects it's one of the ones that um is associated with mars who is a malefic and so we can see problems here we can see trouble um a lot of times with squares there's a kind of tension or dynamism that you have to figure out in some kind of way. There's a problem that needs solving. And so, um, so Saturn and uh, Uranus, Saturn and Aquarius, Uranus and Taurus are going to be squared to each other basically all of next year and a bunch of uh, the year after that as well. Mm -hmm. And so we're really looking at, so Saturn, um, the, the authority figure, um, trying to wrangle Uranus, who is much more rebellious and who uh, is a little bit wily, right? Um, you know, Uranus, for example, Uranus in Aries, when Uranus moved into Aries, um, then it was like uh, Arab Spring happened at that time, right? And so, um, and that was Uranus in Aries. And so it was a it was different feeling. Uh, you know, there's definitely much more of a sense of like, burn it down with uh, Uranus in Aries, which is a, a fire sign. Um, but like, so we're moving into Uranus and Taurus here. We've, we've actually been in Uranus and Taurus for, uh, two years now. Um, and so, but like Uranus in Taurus is rebellious and wants to shake things around and doesn't submit to authority, um, in the same way that, uh, Uranus might like, or, um, Saturn might like. And so I feel like there's really going to be this wrangling of, okay, so the, the old, earth stuff um isn't ready to submit to the new air stuff and so there's this kind of like tension between like how are we going to make this work and um you know really looking at uh the way that you know um food supply and i i would i would be very surprised surprised if we didn't see some kind of supply chain disruption um in 2021 um and it doesn't take an astrologer to see that right um 
but uh, so, you know, we're, we're going to be looking at, and that's kind of the major drama of the year is kind of this Saturn versus Uranus situation. And Jupiter will be here also. But like I said before, Jupiter is just kind of potentiating that Saturn. So, um, so it's really, you know, we're really looking at the tension between those and trying to do stuff and trying to be an individual and a rebel. And, um, and then also the experience of, you know, Aquarius really likes to um, sort of deal with societies or large groups of people. And so trying to get everyone, especially if we're in a, in a sort of techno, techno environment, you know, perhaps it's kind of technocratic here, then, you know, there's a situation where everyone needs to be registered or everyone needs to be um. uh, logged in or, or something like that. And so there's this kind of like earthy Uranian component where it's like, no, I want to like be in the dirt and this kind of stuff versus mm -hmm. um, Saturn and Aquarius, which is like, uh, we are in the future now and we don't even need dirt anymore. Um, <laughs> you, you <know. laughs> so, so I, this is this is a little bit of uh, the the major stage drama that I see going on here. Now this is mundane as well, right? So this is yeah. this has to do with world events and history and that sort of stuff, right? So this doesn't necessarily describe what you are going to go through with uh, when you are living out your own natal chart, right? Um, but the, these are the kinds of things that I expect to see um, on the global stage. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so this has been a really awesome interview. We're kind of nearing the end of our show. Um, hmm. And we we followed you on Instagram. Uh, you can find we you can find Zamboni at Zamboni Funk on Instagram. And I hope everyone does go and follow him on Instagram. And is your um, Patreon under the same? Yep, Zamboni name? Funk. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems like a really worthwhile twelve dollars. Um, yeah. We'll put the links up in the show notes For too. Sure. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with, with folks before we adjourn? Mm, well, you know, so my, what I do with astrology is very much so like I, you know, I'm, you can clearly tell that I'm a little bit worried about technocracy and, and these kinds of things. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm worried, it, it doesn't take much, very very many of us are worried about the direction that the world is headed in, right? Um, and right. so astrology is very helpful for sort of giving us a description, um, either on the micro, on the day-to-day, -day, or even hour by hour um, of how things are going, and then also on the macro. And so my yeah. whole strategy is to, you know, the, the reason we call that, that it's called funk, you know, Zamboni funk, I'm a bass player, right? And so I come from this like funk music tradition um of like being in rhythm right so it's rhythmic cycles of timing it's very much the same thing as astrology and so it yeah. you know with this idea in mind if you know where the beat is going to be then you know where to put your booty when it's time to do that and so um you know riding the beat in this way is very much what i try to do and that's why i have such a strong focus on electional astrology and that's why i do the forecast the way that i do so that you can you know, have an idea of what beats are coming your way and therefore where your booty is supposed to be when it's time to be there. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah. Cool. Great. 
Well, thank you so much again for joining us on the Plant Cunning Podcast. And we'd love to have you on in the future. And we can just go in so many different directions. And I love your style of explaining things super clearly and hilariously at times. So yeah, thank you thank so you. much. Uh, this has been so much fun. Thanks, y'all. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Bye.